Joining us uh, out of the UK live from the Bugatti is uh, Ben Ransom. G'day, Ben. How you doing? <laughs> I mean, I can't even say it shares one letter with the Bugatti one driving, but there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> mate, was, um, maybe we have just uh, unveiled that secret that all of Britain has been talking about, who the new Bond is. Is that, is that what you're telling us? Oh, yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Uh, can you imagine this kind of like southeast London drawl uh, <laughs> saying... Uh, Yes, Miss Moneypenny. Uh, no, I don't think so. Sorry, Rick. I don't, not for you. No, 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 no. I'll have a lager, shaken, not stirred. Um, but anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Where's Bond? I was watching the football. <laughs> uh, brilliant, brilliant, mate. Hey, uh, listen, thanks very much for coming on uh, to chat footy, mate. And uh, boy, uh, what a game it was at Anfield uh, last night uh, or this morning, our time. Um, I thought that at Anfield, I, it gave Liverpool the edge. And, you know, 15 minutes in, I, I thought I was right. But uh, it wasn't to be. And uh, an Ancelotti masterclass incoming. And oof, uh, Liverpool season continues to uh, go from w- uh, w- worst to worse, uh, even. Yeah, it felt like um, in the last week, there'd been a bit of an upturn, didn't there? Although perhaps the results against Everton and Newcastle just didn't quite didn't quite, um, or maybe the, the results papered over the fact that the performances were still slightly patchy. I mean, Liverpool not quite sh- where they should have been. I mean, look, the Everton game was one thing, but then, you, you know, you take into account the goal. Everton hit the post at one end and actually settled quite well. The ball goes up the other end. Salah scores. Pickford's well out of position. Then Liverpool kind of assert their dominance. And then uh, in the Newcastle game, Newcastle had loads of chances early on or half chances. Liverpool, again, clinical, to be fair. Darwin Nunes uh, and Cody Gakpo have started to find their scoring touch, which is really good for them. Salah's looked a lot better. So, offensively, they looked better, but it, it perhaps didn't, because they kept two clean sheets, we perhaps thought defensively, even though the numbers weren't quite there, they'd improved. And then, come up against Real Madrid, the offence do their bit in a way. Two goals, fantastic. Um, get ahead in that game. Blistering start. Obviously, Anfield's a massive, massive um, kind of, it's a massive thing to have in your corner on a European night. I've been to some amazing nights there. The place was rocking. And then, as you say, an Ancelotti masterclass, uh, he absolutely is the king of this kind of tie. Uh, I remember watching him all the way to the, the final last year, not even playing particularly well at times, but it just he's so cool. The players respond to him. And yeah, in Vinicius Junior, they do have one of the best players in the world right now. And Liverpool punished ultimately and you have to say I think Klopp admitted it you think the tie's probably over at this stage at 5-2 yeah you do um, which is you know for Liverpool uh, it means pretty much no silverware this season right I mean what do you think now is it just basically successful Liverpool from here is top four yes I think so um, that's certainly where they've been looking to try and um, you know to get the season back into some kind of shape after where they were is good the result against Newcastle gives them that and I think you're right, top four is certainly um, the ambition and would make a relatively successful season in that sense. But ultimately, it just papers over what has been a pretty poor campaign. I think, I think, I think we, he dropped out somewhere. Is he still going live at your end there, uh... Sorry, Ben, we uh, we lost you there, mate. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Liverpool top four. Flow, so I don't know where I got to, Ricardo. Yeah, but I was basically just saying that, look, a 
top four would, would rescue the season for Liverpool, but I was also just got, kind of talking about this group and where they're at and the fact that under Klopp, they have won everything. I mean, it's been Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup, FIFA, Super, World Cup, whatever you call it. Um, they've, done, they've done everything. Uh, and to be so far below those standards this year is a worry, and it suggests that they do need to have an overhaul, and it's going to cost a lot of money in the summer. Yeah, it will do. I mean, there's something that actually uh, producer Ben asked um, before we got you on and was like, uh, you know, all the talk has been um, about them, you know, strengthening and uh, bringing a certain young Englishman over from Borussia Dortmund. But if they've got no um, Champions League football to offer next season, uh, Jude Bellingham's probably going to be going somewhere else, isn't he? I mean, you think so. I mean, I've always found this slightly strange because obviously, look, you know I cover City closer than any other club and you'd think that it would be the perfect fit for him given that they're looking for that midfield replacement for ultimately De Bruyne. Uh, this season, they might lose both Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. So they really do need a central midfielder who can do it all. Bellingham has impressed against Pep a couple of times playing for Dortmund. So I know he's a huge fan. The club have obviously looked at signing him. But it certainly seems as though Liverpool were leading the race to sign him. And he's, you know, he's well advised by his family to be there, Jude Bellingham. And then we saw that Jordan Henderson was kind of in his ear at the World Cup and obviously trying to sell Liverpool to him, being a bit of an agent for the, for the club there, which is absolutely fair enough. Why not? And it, all the senses from Liverpool, there was kind of a, a quiet confidence that they were going to be able to sign him. Last night, though, was billed as the Bellingham derby because the other team that are in for him are Real Madrid. And when you look at what they're doing there and the opportunity to go and play for that club and ultimately win Champions League trophies because no matter how bad they are in the league, they always seem to do really well in Europe. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, it certainly is, is going to prove difficult, you'd say, for Liverpool if they don't get the top four. Yeah, it will do. Yeah, that Liverpool squad, I, I, I was saying, is, is a bit like our Black Caps cricket team, mate. Um, you know, they've all grown old together. And now when, once you get a bunch of guys all you know, in their 30s together, uh, they all seem to you know, fall away at the same time. And then, it's, uh, then, then you've got to start fresh. So it's going to be a rebuild job. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Klopp, seven-year itch at Dortmund, seven-year itch at Mines. Are we seeing the seven-year itch at Liverpool? What chance he's not there next season? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll be sacked. I think that's pretty clear, just because of what he's done. And also, are you going to get anyone better? Not just a better coach, but a better fit for that club. I mean, he, he lives and breathes Liverpool. Obviously, the fans absolutely love him. But but this year, for whatever reason, things haven't quite worked. And you're right, is it down to playing personnel, getting to a certain age, and not having the energy in their legs? Because, as we know, he demands this high-press style he always has. Is it down to as often happens, and maybe you alluded to it there, that after a certain period at a club, a manager's words just don't quite have the same impact because we know that Klopp is a great motivator. Or does he just have to like go back to the drawing board a little bit and, and try and reinvent the system? Because you know a lot of the talk this year has been about Guardiola playing with this slightly bizarre 3-2-4-1 system and Bernardo Silva is this kind of inverted left back and, and Pep himself every couple of years tries to completely redevelop the team and redevelop the shape and it's something that even we saw Sir Alex Ferguson do going from a 4-4-2 to a, a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-3-3 in his time at United so the great clubs and the great managers do have to evolve um, and whether it's just a tactical tweak whether it's personnel I'm not sure but certainly the longer this malaise goes on 
the more people are going to talk about exactly what you're talking about there, the seven-year itch. Yeah, indeed. All right, mate. Now, you mentioned Manchester City. They are in action tomorrow morning, New Zealand time, away at Leipzig. Um, and they haven't exactly been travelling well. It's been a very un like season, dropping 15 points away from home. And, uh, you know, still, you know, they, they, get, they beat Arsenal and you think, well, they close the gap, the race is on. Uh, and then they go and, and drop points at Forest. So uh, where are City at at the moment? It feels like maybe there's a bit going on behind the scenes we don't know about. The Jao Concello thing was weird, letting him go mid-season when he's the best fullback you've got. Kevin De Bruyne is starting a lot of games on the bench. I don't know if that's something else or if he's carrying an injury. I mean, where do you think City are at at the moment? They're not at their best, I think that's clear, because what they've done in the past when they are at their best is they've been absolutely relentless. Um, I mean, you're right about the Cancelo one being strange, because it, it took us all by surprise. Uh, the, obviously, there's been reports he's had a bust-up with Guardiola. Now, I mean, look, Guardiola and Cancelo played that down. They both said that didn't happen, although you know people I've spoken to said that there, there have been some heated words, and a lot of it was to do with Cancelo not being an automatic first choice in the team. But... You know, as Pep said, to be fair, those players, and Cancelo in particular, he's one of those players that wants to play every week no matter what. So you can understand that would happen. And I don't think that in itself is anything particularly unusual. Um, but letting him go was a massive, uh, massive call uh, because they don't really have anyone who plays exactly the same way. The fact that Bernardo Silva is operating in that role or being told to because he's such a complete footballer tells you everything. They don't have another natural left-back that can play that third system. And Cancelo playing on both sides was a real asset. So that was a surprise, and they have left themselves weaker. I think that's uh, universally agreed by letting him go. They're not winning the same amount of games. Away from home, that form is a concern. And they're in this run now of five away games in a row. Forrest um, was second of that group. So they beat Arsenal, which suddenly you thought, hang on a minute, system's working, played pretty well, dominated the game. Have they finally clicked? Go to Forrest, and to be fair to them, they create enough chances to win the game four times over. Harlem missed a couple of sitters, which you'd expect to score. And then Forrest nick, it, nick a goal at the other end and get a point, and then all of a sudden it's back to doom and gloom. So I would expect a response against Leipzig, but it's not going to be easy. They're a decent team. They've got, some, they've got a good spine in particular. And away from home, I mean, look, if, if they crash out of the European stage at this, uh, this stage of the European competition, then we really will be looking at crisis Man City. But assuming they show their class and get through, you'd imagine it'd start to settle down, and then they can focus fully on the title race because Arsenal have shown they're not going away. Do you think Pep, um, what's the right way to put this? Not that did Pep want Haaland, but does Pep know how to use Haaland? Maybe is the better way to, uh, better question. Um, I mean, I, I think so. I don't think we can look at the, one of the greatest managers of all time as just because he doesn't know how to play with the number nine. I know his systems traditionally have played a slightly different style, but Haaland's is also developing his game. He's a young man. Now, he comes with lots of raw attributes. He's a fantastic finisher. He's incredibly strong and powerful. He's always trying to run in behind his movement. He's quick. So he's got lots of great attributes. But Harland also is someone who you watch him and when you hear about him, he wants to learn. He wants to get better. And he wants to improve under the guidance of someone like Guardiola who plays a different style. Now, I think it's it's easy to look back at Pep's history with someone like an Abramovich or someone and say, well, he can't play with that player. But then you go to Bayern and it was quite successful with Lewandowski. So he, he clearly can. And I think it's more about the players such as, uh, you know, people like Kevin De Bruyne are finding and honing their own game because they've played a very particular way for a long time. 
often with a false nine, and they've been the ones getting beyond him. It's about those players honing their game to get the best out of Harden, as opposed to Pep and the tactical system. Because really, Harden's making these great runs, and Pep cannot play the ball through to him, can he? That's got to be the likes of Gundo, Bernardo, Bowden, Grealish, and KDB. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, how are they looking ahead of Leipzig? Uh, I mean, it it feels like a way at Leipzig, the way Leipzig are travelling. Uh, this is going to be uh, a, maybe a tricky first round of the tie. Uh, maybe a score draw here and then take it back to City to win it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, as long as they're in the tie, you fancy them at home. Um, on any given day, City can click. And it depends how the Forest kind of draw has affected them because... Excuse me. As I say, they played well. They scored. Lo- they created loads of chances. And on another day, they went three or four nil, maybe three or four one. Um, so if they can carry that that confidence from the Arsenal game forward, and they're not too damaged by it, then I think they they can go and win. And they've done this in these kind of ties many times over the last few years. There is that group experience. But just for argument's sake, say it doesn't quite go well. So they concede early, and then maybe they go one or even two down. How they respond is going to be absolutely massive. Over the last two years, we've seen this team respond in those situations, and that's where they've really grown. So the challenge will be, if they're in a difficult position, how they come through it. All right. Uh, Now, a couple of things before we let you go, mate. Um, I know you're on your way to work, but Mark has texted through asking if you think that Nottingham Forest will stay up this year. I think they will. Uh, I'm a big fan of Steve Cooper. Uh, I've been down to see him at the Forest training ground a few times this season. I went down to see him early on when... All the talk was about the number of signings so late and gelling the squad, and it, it looked completely haphazard at the time, didn't it? But what was fantastic about what the club did then was they backed the manager, didn't they? They they brought all these signings in, they started pretty poorly, then they gave Steve Cooper the contract, and they basically said, "We believe in you. We think you are the man to to bring this together." Then they had that real upturn of results either side of the World Cup. Um, they brought in more players in January, and you thought, "Oh my God, are they going to make the same mistake again?" and Slowly but surely, they've started to build a resilience. They've got a lot of players out with injuries still. So, you know, they, the fact they've got a big squad is helping them in that situation. But they've started to find ways to score goals as well. So, defensively, they've got better and they've started to score goals. And when you look at some of the other teams that are struggling down the bottom, I think that Forest can get themselves in a position over the next couple of months where they are above that relegation zone going into really crucial games. And once you're there, Every point is absolutely crucial because it's a knife in the back of all of your opponents. So I think they will stay up, yeah. Yeah, all right. And uh, finally, mate, um, as a Manchester United fan, do I have to get comfortable with the idea of fracking or with the lack of uh, human rights? Which way do you think it's going to go? I <laughs> know. It's, um, it's one of those, isn't it? But look, my argument, and I speak to a lot of United fans around here, obviously, is that there's no such thing as a good billionaire anyway. So it's kind of like, well, you know, your, your morality has to go out the window if you're getting into bed with any billionaire across the planet. Um, so it's, it is tricky. And what I'm hoping is that actually the, the independent regulator for football in the UK does come through. Because what that will do at the least is mean that it just reigns in the power of these kind of outside investors and what they can do with football clubs in terms of their own image. And what it would do is give the fans that crucial say in how their football clubs run. Because football clubs are not businesses. They're more than that. They are community assets as well. And whenever you go and see any of the great work they do in communities, how important they are to the poorest members of our society, they've got to be more than just big business. So what I'm hoping is that the independent regulator does go through that bit of legislation the government are talking about right now. That happens alongside this process. And football governance in this country can improve wholesale, not just individually on this point.
Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, we wait, wait with bated breath to see uh, what the outcome is there. Ben, thanks very much uh, for um, for coming on, mate. Say hi to M when you get into headquarters, and uh, we'll catch up with you another time. <laughs> My pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, here we go. Ben Ransom.